You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Uh, my name is Josh Gray. I'm the lead servant here at Real Life, sometimes called the lead pastor, and I'm excited to be here with you uh, today. We uh, kind of get to wrap up this sermon series, uh, Friend or Foe, and we've talked about some pretty awesome uh, topics. I love this. If you've missed any portion of this or you just came back from from uh, being uh, on break, all those things. It's all online. We even have our own cool YouTube channel. Like, if you wanted to re-experience that worship experience that you had today, you'd be able to do that again online on our own YouTube channel. All of our worship's on there now, and uh, really good stuff, so services available. But I'm really proud of the sermon series. I loved how Marty set it up for us uh, as we talked, as we're navigating guilt, uh, shame, and conviction. Uh, last week was fun, uh, having Katie here and, and hearing her uh, background and understanding of shame and, and really what she helped us understand a little bit more about that. So I'm excited to close this uh, sermon series out. Sometimes we also want to know, like, well, where are we going? Like, what's next, right? So what's next is a, is a three-week sermon series called Sticks and Stones. So you guys have heard this before. Sticks and stones may, but words will never hurt me. One of the greatest lies ever told. I'd rather have a bunch of broken bones from sticks and stones than some of the things that I've carried around with me for years about words that somebody tried to put upon me and who I was and what I wasn't and all of those different things. So we're going to attack that. We think it might be apropos that we as Christians would be very careful to understand what's coming out of our mouths, uh, you know, because there's a few venues where it can travel a little farther than it did 100 years ago, right? Like Twitter or Facebook or any of these things. Like we can say something and then it, there it goes and it's gone. And so during this season that we're coming up here, there might be some unkind words said during the election uh, process that we're going through. And so what would it look like for Christians to have pretty awesome words coming out of their mouths of uplifting and pointing people towards Jesus? And what does that mean for us as we watch what comes out of our mouths? So I'm excited about that sermon series. Uh, Today, finishing up on uh, conviction here. And this week, the Lord took me on a a fun and exciting ride. And I want to share that with you guys. Um, So some of these words here, Condemnation, shame, guilt, conviction, judgment, regret, dishonor, failure, worthlessness, unworthy. We've hit some of these words in our text that we've looked at about even last week. You know, shame tells you that you are unworthy of belonging, like you don't belong here. And so this week, as I was working through this uh, sermon series, really it came down to condemnation and conviction. And I want to kind of highlight what I've experienced as the difference between that in my own life and what I see it in the text and, uh, and, and why it matters that we have proper perspective on condemnation and conviction. And so the title of this sermon is Beautiful Conviction. Or I find conviction is, 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 is pretty amazing as the Lord has done it and love to us, and to change us, and to move us. And, you know, there's a battle uh, in our church, there's a battle in our community, there's a battle around the world um, for you. There's a battle for what you think about you. And there's a plan for you, there's two, two paths for you. Uh, there's a path that God has planned out for you, and there's a path that the enemy has planned out for you. It's not in your notes, but in John uh, ten nine, uh, Jesus is talking. He says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely, and they will find good pastures. Not good pastors, but good pastures. Good pastures. But there's this other plan for you. There's this thief, and their purpose is to steal 
and to kill and destroy. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. To kill and steal and destroy is the plan of the enemy. He's the the twister of, of words and thoughts. He wants you to feel condemned, not convicted. And let me tell you why. Because conviction is beautiful. Is what is making us. It's, it's, we talk about here the definition of a disciple is one that, it's Matthew 4.19. The definition is in the invitation, come and follow me. We're like, cool. Most of us are Jesus followers in here, or at least trying to be, or claim to be, right? I do. Trying to be, I claim to be. Come and follow me, and I will make you. I will make you, he says, fishers of men and women. And I find that the conviction is in the making. And he gets to make us and mold us and change us and move us. When, we, when we're not condemned, when we don't feel condemnation, but we feel convicted. There's a distinct battle to confuse you. The devil will use other well-being, uh, well-meaning people in our lives. Church folks here, the media, what we let in our brain, they want to confuse you. We used to say this in the corporate sales world. I was taught uh, this in corporate sales. If you confuse them, you lose them. If you confuse them, you lose them. And there's a battle to have you be confused. Because if you get confused, you get paralyzed. And if you get paralyzed, you, 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 you shrink away and you hide back. If you get if you confuse them, you lose them. But what does our Father in heaven say that He wishes? He said that He wishes how many to be lost? None to be lost. He doesn't want to lose anybody, not one single person in here or on this planet. He wishes none of us to be lost. So as we think about this uh, condemnation versus conviction, I want to hit some some scriptures where it's pointed out, uh, and we're not going to dive into to super depth on these things, but just to just to let it sit upon you and what Jesus says. So here he is, uh, John eight one through eleven says Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said, Jesus, uh, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger, which is super cool. You can do some research on that. And he kept, they kept demanding an answer, and he stood up and he said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away. One by one. Beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Where are they? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, 
neither do I. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. You know, I was listening to this sermon this week as I was preparing for it. It was a pretty interesting sermon. And the gentleman said, well, there's two accusers. And I was like, you're wrong. And I started to argue with him, but he was on the internet, so he couldn't hear me. Um, but I, he was actually right. Uh, and there's, so there's two accusers. So the first accuser that comes into your life personally that wants to tell you who and what you are and how you're built and what your what things are messed up about you and why you don't qualify and why you're not uh, why you're not good enough that's that's Satan. He wants to confuse you about who you are and who God says you are, so you can be on the sidelines and you cannot be in the game. He wants to confuse you, and I was like, "Yep, that makes sense." Satan is the confuser. He's the author of confusion. I get it. I get it. That makes sense. And he said, "The second confuser, or the second accuser." is yourself. I was like, huh. So Satan like gets the ball rolling, talking about who you are, and you start buying into it, and then he doesn't have to mess with you for a while until somebody pulls you out of that. And you're like, yep, you're right, I am this, I am that. And you start believing these lies about you. You start accusing yourself. And you start this thing called self-condemnation. And when you're playing around in self-condemnation, the, the, the evil one's work is, is, is going great. And so we see Jesus talking about, no, no, I don't condemn you. I have a different plan for you. You ever argue with God about what he says you are? I do. He's smarter than me, though. A lot. And so you talk to yourself the most. What are you saying about you? This is not some self-help thing. This is about your, your path. What do you say about you? I'm God's treasured possession. You know what I used to do in the insurance world? You'd kind of get beat up a little bit. And I, had this, I went to this, this conference, uh, and I had these little shower tags, which is kind of weird, but you put it on your shower head. And every morning, I would say these things to myself. I would say, I, I'm, I, would say uh, I feel good. I feel fine. I feel this way all the time. And I'd like dance in there. I'd be like, I feel good. I feel fine. I feel this way all the time. And I had like these like, like eight different like chants, which is weird, uh, that I would say because I knew I was going to go get my tail kicked all day long. Right? I knew I was going to sit there and make hundreds and hundreds of phone calls and take no after no after no after no after no. But I had to, what did I think about me? And as I became a Christian, that helped to start believing what God believes about me. We see this again uh, in, in Paul as well. So the accuser is the one who condemns, and the accuser likes to transfer that condemnation to get you accusing yourself. And when you start accusing yourself, you become confused about who and what you are and what God's plan is for your life, and then you're on the sideline. In the first service, uh, when we were worshiping, I had this kind of thought, and, and I don't know, it was vision, I don't know what to call it, but but. Maybe you've got this figured out. You're like, I got it, dude. I'm like pretty self-good motivator, good talker. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of this, Josh. I'm not beating myself up all the time. I'm, I've, got a, I've got it going on here. Like I feel pretty good about where I'm going in life and what I'm doing and how God has me. And, and that's awesome. And you feel so good about it that maybe your purpose here on this earth is to reach down 
and you see somebody that is confused, you see somebody that is condemned, and you're going to grab them and you're going to be like, nope, let me take you to where there is no condemnation. Come on with me. We're going to go over here because I can show you a better way, a better path. And somebody's got your hand and they're like, hey, Josh, come on up here. I'm going to show you a better way, a better path, a path that leads to life. So Paul's talking about this in, in, it's, uh, in Romans 7, uh, 21 through 82. I had to go back a couple verses because he, he threw in a therefore on me. And I was taught, like, if there's a therefore, you have to say, what's it? Therefore. therefore. So I had to, like, run back on that because I was just going to be like Romans 8, 1, obviously. Right? So I had to go back. And so here's what Paul is getting ready to therefore. So he says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Do you ever feel like you're presented with two choices and different options and different paths? Like it's just hanging out. Like, hey, why don't you go down this path? And I've taken the wrong path several times, right? But now I have people in my life that try and help me stay on the right path. And they'll just be like, Josh, get over here. And they speak truth in my life. So here's Paul. He's even struggling with this. This is so weird. Like thousands of years ago, he was still struggling with the same things that we're struggling with, that he has this choice and the evil is right there with him and somebody's trying to take him off the path. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Yes. Yes, Lord. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of this law of sin at work within me. There's a battle. Battle for my mind. What a wretched man I am. Now, I don't, I've never, I don't use the word wretched that often in my vocabulary, but I've thought things about myself. Stupid, make mistakes. You know better, Josh. You're a pastor. Maybe, 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 maybe you shouldn't even be one. You know, maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you're not this. Maybe you're not enough. Maybe, 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 maybe. Whoa, how did I slip down that path? I'm not believing what the, what, the, what the creator of the universe says about me. I'm believing something else. Who will rescue me from this body that, I, that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So he's coming to this realization, man, I've got this problem. I've got this flesh stuff that I want to do and that there's this path here and then there's God's path and I'm, man, I'm, I might be confused. Therefore, here we get here. Because of all this stuff, because I have evil right next to me, may, helping me walk and trying to, to uh, take me off this path, because I have all of this, therefore, here's what he's figured out. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free. That's an amen and that's a woohoo. It is good to be set free from condemnation, right? It's to be set free from the law of sin and death. So you are not condemned. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I was thinking about the go and sin no more thing for a while. 
I've only sinned like four or five times this morning that I could tell. And I was like, man, I want to, like, I'm supposed to obey what the word says, and it says to go and sin no more, but I still sin. And what I'm finding out about myself in this process and why a conviction is so beautiful is when I'm engaged in, in the, my walk with the Lord and have other people around me helping me with this walk, I sin less. I'm not sinless, but I sin less. And what I'm finding about the more and more I go through my walk and I think about Matthew 4.19, that come and follow me and I will make you, the more that, I, that the Lord is, I wanted to say that I allow him to make me, but like I kind of do. The more I'm allowed to be molded, to be convicted by him, convicted in the word convicted is convinced. The more I'm allowed to be convinced that his path is better for me, the more that I'm allowed to be convinced that he has, he has what, a path for me that's better than the path I have for myself, the less I sin. And I was thinking about some of our, our older folks in the room uh, that I hope that as I walk down this path and continue to be molded, that I sin Less. Amen? But you've got to continue to be molded. You could sit in here and be 75 years old and, and, not, and not choose the path of conviction and his beautiful conviction and, and, and still be sinning as much as you did when you were 25. You've got to choose the path. When I think about condemned, I think about buildings. We're going to condemn this building. And what are, we, what are we saying about a building when we condemn it? It does not have any value anymore. It is unsafe to be there. We are going to condemn this place. So when you feel condemned, that is an unsafe place to be. You're an unsafe person to even kind of be around if you hang out in uh, condemnation and, and you can spread condemnation. You can help other people be unsafe. You can help other people not fulfill their purpose. Is this building fulfilling its purpose anymore? It's broken Condemnation means that things are broken in your life. It wants to break you down. You don't have to stay broken. You guys ever watch HGTV? They are rehabbing things all the time. God is in the business of rehabbing your life. He's in the business of rehabbing me. And sometimes you got to gut it. Sometimes you got to get to the deep parts of that. Sometimes you got to, I saw one where they actually had to rebuild the foundation. What happens when you don't have a good foundation? Yeah, it crumbles. Right, so where is that foundation? That foundation is found in Jesus Christ. You have tremendous value when you're not living in condemnation. So here we have the famous football verse, uh, John 3.16, Right? Every football game, so nobody's having to worry about the Seahawks today. One of my guys here, I was talking to him, I'm like, sorry about that, bud. You lost, you know, they lost. He's like, ah, I won't even be stressed about it next week. Right? But for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we're like, woohoo! Right behind where they kick the field goals every time. Right? Eternal life. But there's more to the verse. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn it. He doesn't want you to feel condemned. He wants you to feel convinced. He wants you to feel convicted. He wants to mold and change us and move us. But he, he sent him to save the world through him. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. How's that going? Well, we're here, we're believers. All right. But what's really happening inside in our church? What's really happening? Are you being changed and molded here? Are you here for another Sunday sermon? I was changed by our worship this morning. My heart was softened. Heart pieces of it fell off because you know what I believed? I believed what we were saying. Jesus' name is power. His name is power. His name is power. It's power in your life. So I, I, sometimes I have to go back and I have to, this will be great for anybody in my little generation, I have to check myself before I wreck myself. <laughs> Way more people laughing at this one. You gotta check yourself. Yep, cool, awesome, I'm not condemned. What are you gonna do because you're not condemned? How is your life different because you're not condemned? What plans does he have for you because you're not condemned? He says that you are, you have lots of value. He says that you have lots of purpose. Today, right now, what would happen if we just unleashed all of these uncondemned people and we acted like it in our community? And what would happen if there was three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred of us like grabbing somebody that looks condemned or feels condemned or that's fighting through their battle and we're like, nope, come on up. Let me show you a different path. Look it. There's no condemnation right here. Through our Lord Christ Jesus. Well, talk to me about that. I don't understand. Great, let's talk. So, uh, this is the verdict, is what he says. I love this. So, this is the verdict. So, it's like, oh, well, it's a verdict. Who doesn't love a verdict? It's for us Westerners. We're like, awesome, closure. This is, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Oh, they're right there. Evil, light, evil, light. Which one do I want? Everyone who does evil hates the light and they will not come into it. The light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Remember we talk about shame? What do we talk about shame does? Shame puts you right out there so you can just say hi to everybody or what do you want to do with your shame? This is messing with the camera guys. They're going to hate this. What do you want to do with your shame? Oh, pastor made a mistake. Pastor hasn't been great to his family. Pastor wants to hide. Pastor's woo. Oh boy, it's nice and dark back here. Nobody can really see my mess ups. I hope my mic's not on. Man. There's a lot of people out there. They might be able to see me exposed in the light. And when I'm exposed in the light, I want to change. I want to be different. I want our church to be different. I want your lives to be different. I don't want you to be confused at all. Conviction is beautiful. God wants to make you. He's got plans for you, a purpose for you. He doesn't want you to hang out in the darkness. Everyone who, who does evil hates the light, and they will not come into it for the light, uh, for they fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Here we are, real life 2020. What's our church going to be like exposed in the light? What are we? Are we a church that gives life? Or is this the condemnation church? Are you come in here and get beat up or are you come in here and get lifted up? 
I hope you come in here and get lifted up. We don't want to be like this. Condemned. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then where does it come from? I love this quote. This is from, uh, from uh, Mark Bollinger. And he's had this little quote that I thought was so perfect for us. Condemnation leads to death. Confusion to death. Conviction leads to life. That's why it's beautiful. He says, uh, one main difference between condemnation and conviction is where they will lead you. Condemnation leads you farther away from God towards death. Conviction leads you closer to God towards life. Biblical condemnation is more than a feeling. It is a state of being that defines your relationship with God. He sent his son here so that you wouldn't feel condemned. So you knew there was a pathway out. And when you accept it, he gives you the opportunity to show other people what it looks like to not live and function in condemnation and to be confused about your purpose and who you are and what you're doing. Like, yep, there's lots of paths out here. I'm going to follow the path of conviction. What do you have for me, Father? When you stand before God condemned, it means your current eternal home is away from God and in hell. I believe you can choose to live in a living hell right here, right now, today. You don't have to even wait to get there. And you choose that path by staying condemned, by living in the dark, by having secrets, by, by sliding away, by doing all these things. To, to you, you, yep, you put yourself right into a living hell. But he doesn't want that for you. To be condemned means that you have been found guilty and have been sentenced to death. It's too late. Too late for you, sorry. That's what he wants you to think. Conviction, on the other hand, is when our wrongs have been identified and, and revealed. I messed up. I messed up and I want to be changed. Fix me, Father, mold me. Come and follow me and I will make you. Okay, Josh, that was a mess up. You've made it right the best you can and now we're going to put you on this path. The Bible explains uh, that Christians can be convicted of sin while not condemned. We can be found guilty of sin and yet uh, not be sentenced to this, uh, to the judgment for those sins. In love, God makes Christians aware of sin. He makes us aware in love of uh, uh, conviction. One should be convinced without giving us the sentence of condemnation for that sin. He sent the Holy Spirit to bring conviction and allow humans to escape condemnation. God doesn't just remove the penalty of our sins without bringing conviction. Rather, through a loving conviction of sin, draws us to himself, causes us to repent, and leads us towards life. As we lead ourselves towards life, because he gives it to us, part of that is, is even what we do every week here with communion. So if you're going to serve communion, please uh, head back there and we'll get that going. Thank you for doing that. We have an open table. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you are not condemned, we want you to hold on to those elements. We'll take it together. If not, just let it pass. He wants to confuse us to lose us. 
Satan wants to confuse you about who you are. He wants to have you sit in a seat of judgment and start condemning others. Jesus wants to convince us of who he was. And when we're convinced of who he was, we become convinced of who we are in Christ Jesus. And when we're convinced of, of who we are in Christ Jesus, we can begin the process of being available to convince others. Does that make sense with conviction versus condemnation? If he didn't come in this world to condemn it, condemn it what the heck are we doing condemning it? We're here to provide loving conviction along with that as we've been convicted, to be out in the light of our mess-ups, to be bringing people along with us. Let's take a look at a couple questions here uh, for this week for our home groups and for those just wanting some additional time of reflection. How have you experienced the difference between condemnation and conviction? Most of us have felt what it feels like to be condemned. And I kind of had the wrong picture of conviction. When I felt convicted, it was like, oh, that's right. I messed up again. Let me just cycle back over here to condemnation. Because <laughs> that's not what it's about. Not when he's making you and molding you. Sometimes you've got to chip off the rough edges. Sometimes you've got to go to the foundation. I had to. What voices of condemnation do you still hear? And how do you battle those voices? There's people still trying to get their hooks into you. Well, you're this. Don't you? You don't forget what you were. And they want to put their hooks in, their, hooks in you to try and drag you back. You know how you keep two crabs? Or you know how you keep crabs in a bucket? You put two of them in there. Because they'll keep grabbing each other down. Right? So what's trying to take you down? How do you, how do you battle those voices? Remember that song we used to sing? This is how I fight my battles. This, I fight my battles through worship. I sound good when it's high volume. But I worship. That's how I fight my battles. This helps me fight my battles. You help me fight my battles. People we have in our life. So voices that you hear, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not. I'm like, nope. But I know somebody who is. Nope. Satan, let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit. He's going to kick you right in the teeth. Because they're coming right there. They're right there. Both those things. Evil. Evil choices and good choices are right there for me all the time. What do you need to leave behind so you can go and leave your life of sin? How can you start to sin less? You could have community. You could have great community. That's not just community of your friends, but community that's tied to this, that spends time talking about this, that knows the stats of the Bible, that knows how it can convict us and change us and move us. Yeah, community. So when we want to go and leave our life of sin, I want us to do that. I'm trying. How about you? So as we take this time of thinking about leaving our life of sin, Jesus came down for us not to condemn this world. He came down to convince this world. 
for us to be convicted, to have the opportunity to be molded, to be changed. Do you want to be molded? Do you want to be changed? Which path are you on? So the Lord Jesus, on that night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he had given thanks and he broke it and he said, this is my body. This is for you. It's for you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is for you. Lord, I remember that. I remember that there is no condemnation. And so I take this. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it. What are we remembering? What are you remembering? You are not condemned, and neither am I. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you for your word this week. Thank you what you shared with me this week, Lord. Help me understand condemnation and the places it tries to play. And I thank you for shining light to me on conviction that your conviction is loving. It is beautiful. It is as beautiful as you just trying to uh, help your children in their path. So Lord, I ask that everyone in here, you just have your hands upon them in a mighty way this week. The voices that they hear, the accusers that they hear, Lord, that they are rebuked. That we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to your purpose and your plans for us. So Father God, help us to do that in a mighty, mighty way. Let us chase you. Thank you for your beautiful conviction and thank you for no condemnation. Say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.